Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal financial on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 44. It's titled, Should You Pay Off Your Mortgage? Last week, we talked about home prices and how homes after inflation fall in value over time unless you continue to put money in upkeep and remodeling. They depreciate just like cars. They get old and they go out of style. We might not notice that the home is depreciating after adjusting for inflation because we have this concept called money illusion where we look at things in nominal value. We just see a home price going up but might not necessarily consider, well, has it gone up by more than the rate of inflation or less? And homes can deviate from that long-term trend of essentially zero real appreciation. They can deviate for long periods of time. I mentioned Australia, how home prices since 1990 have doubled, uh, or since 2000 have doubled on a real basis. And there's no telling when that will end. Factors that contribute to a boom cycle in houses include low interest rates, low inflation, loose lending standards, low unemployment, rising incomes, and more than anything, a belief by potential buyers that home prices will continue to increase. But at some point, all housing bubbles burst. If you go back to the Economist data that I'll again link in the show notes, you can put all types of countries there and look at what their home prices have done over time. If homes get out of whack with price to income, median home price, to median household income, then you're buying toward the top of the market or an above average trend. Best time to buy is at a trough. Now, there are examples of buying a house at the right time. I got an email a few weeks ago from Steve. He mentioned he lives in Silicon Valley and his parents have also lived there. His parents bought a house in 1967 in that area of California for $47,000. His father just died at age 89, so they lived there, looks like, well over 50 years. or not? Well, just under 50 years. They sold their house for $2 million. So you go from $47,000 to $2 million. So that $2 million is a significant portion of his mom's net worth, which, which is sort of the point that, that Steve was making. A few episodes ago, I was quoting Census Bureau data where I was excluding how home equity is part of net worth. In reality, our homes, even if they're appreci- appreciating 
relative, just keeping up with inflation, they are a, and can be a significant portion of our net worth. Now, in this episode, we're going to learn why that is, that even with a home price that is just tracking inflation, that you can increase your net worth. And it's a, it's a fascinating idea that we don't really look at. And it was introduced to me by Scott, who is a reader. I mean, it, it's something I knew, but because I had... I've done investing for for many years in institutional real estate funds, in private capity, private equity funds, and venture capital. And oftentimes, these managers, and in most cases, they use some form of leverage. They're buying money, or they're borrowing money, trying to, and then they try to get a return in the assets that they use that leverage that basically magnifies the return. If they can get a return on the assets that's greater than what they're paying on the the interest cost of their debt, that use of leverage significantly magnifies the return. I saw that in my own business when we, my partners and I, bought back our company from our parent. We sold the company in I believe it was 2002, and we bought it back in 2005 at an attractive price. But we used a significant amount of leverage to do that. We borrowed about 88% of the purchase price. And, and I wouldn't be retired today if we hadn't levered up that purchase price or, or just levered to buy it and, and borrowed money. But when you borrow money like that, it can be very, very risky. We sign personal guarantees. We put our houses on, our li- on the line. And essentially, we're backing that note. And unfortunately, it worked out. But that huge amount of leverage is, is what created the, the little bit of wealth that I have to be able to live on. But as part of that experience, I didn't like having a personal guarantee, promising to pay off debt that was well above my net worth. And we, you know, as part of that, had made a commitment to ourselves that we were going to get completely out of debt. And five years ago, we paid off our mortgage and we since sold that house, but we've never had a mortgage since. We don't have a mortgage on our farm. I've bought rental real estate all in cash. And I thought, and it is perfectly fine. I didn't. I just didn't like making a house payment. It felt cumbersome. I just didn't. It, and it's it is a very much a a psychological aspect to it. There's just it feels good to be out of debt. Yet I got an email recently. It's probably about a month ago. Scott mentioned a a man named Daniel Ammerman, A-M-E-R-M-A-N. And, and I literally don't really know much about this, this guy. He's a CFA, and he sends out a series of emails, and he, he probably, I assume he's selling something eventually, but he, he's sending out 
these emails, and, and they might have been called Well Secrets or something. I, I actually, I, I don't even remember what the, what the, I'll put a link in the show notes. And, you know, when I, when I, if a listener is suggesting I look into something, it's like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that and see what he's saying. And I don't agree with, with some of what he, he, he's teaching, or not, not so much agree with that. I just don't, I'm not as dire when it comes to inflation predictions that, that he is giving. And you know, when I read somebody like this or anything, it reminds me of the book I read a number of years ago by Pierre Bayard, and it was called How to Talk About Books You Haven't Read. And here was his idea. As you don't, it used to be, at least in grade school, in order to read a book, you, d- you didn't consider yourself having read the book unless you read from cover to cover. If you didn't read the, every single word, then you hadn't read the book. But as I've gotten older, particularly after reading this book by Pierre Bayard, he said, no, we can't. We, first off, we don't remember most of what we read anyway. So the importance of a, a book is not to remember everything, but to understand where it fits in context of, of everything else you know and other books you read. How do you categorize the book and, and where does it fall? And you don't have to read every single word. You just have to get the concept down, and in his case, to be able to talk about it without having necessarily read, and by read, read from cover to cover. So same with Daniel Ehrman. I've read his series of emails. He, he seems to, to be very forthright and have very strong opinions, but he introduced a concept that I had very much forgotten about, and it is this concept of, yes, you purchase a home, and only if it appreciates by the rate of inflation, you can still build some significant wealth if you have a mortgage, if you take out debt to borrow on that home. So why is that? Well, first off, it's leverage. Purchasing a home is a highly leveraged transaction for most people unless they're paying cash. If you have a mortgage, typically you are borrowing 80% of the purchase price. And because of that, even if the home appreciates by inflation, that increase, let's say a 2% rise on a $250,000 house where you've put 20% down, that means your equity is $50,000. So if the home goes up by 2%, your equity goes up by five times that amount or 10%. And it goes both ways. And so a 10% return is certainly going to be greater than inflation, but it's very much magnified. But if the home loses 2%, you also lose five times that amount uh, of your equity. So you're down 10%. That's when you have borrowed 80% of the purchase price. You borrow 90% of the purchase price, it, that le- you're even more highly levered, and it has an even greater impact. The second reason why a mortgage can help you build real wealth is the fact that inflation reduces the real balance on your mortgage at the same time it increases the nominal price of your house. And it's going to take a few minutes to explain, but you have two things going in in different directions. One, the value of the house is going up by the rate of inflation, but the value of the mortgage in real terms is going down. 
Let's recall what inflation is. It's a general increase in prices due to an increase in the money supply. So when more money flows through the economy and that rate of that money supply increase, it's growing faster than new products and services are being produced. That means you have more money chasing at least the same amount of goods and services, and that pushes up overall price. Now, the primary reason the money supply increases is because households and businesses borrow from banks. When a bank lends to someone, the bank receives an IOU from the borrower and then sets up a deposit at the bank in the name of the borrower, and then the borrower has access to those borrowed funds. The loan allows the borrower to shift future consumption into the present. If I want to buy a house, I'm not going to be able to save up the enti- necessarily the entire purchase price, so I'll borrow money and I'll be able to accelerate that future spending into the present. And then, obviously, that some of that future spending will be used in the future to pay back the loan. But that combination of the fact that you're accelerating future spending into the present and the fact that the bank does, creates the money out of thin air which we've talked about earlier. We, we live in a monitored banking system where money is digits. The bank simply changes the digits in the account and then obviously you sign the documents for the IOU, but the bank didn't have to go find the money. They created the money out of thin air and that is what increases the money supply. It is all the lending that takes place. So, That combination produces inflation, more money chasing a limited supply of goods and services. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. 
And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. So as the home prices go up, then by the rate of inflation, something else is happening. You're getting a raise, so... Over time, you get cost of living adjustments, even though you might be producing the same amount of output or providing the same amount of value, you are getting a, a raise just for cost of living. And so you have more money. And then the asset, the house is going up in value. But the one thing that's not going up in value is the debt itself. Banks don't increase the amount you owe by the rate of inflation. Your mortgage payment, if you have a fixed-rate mortgage, stays the same. And as a result, you're paying off that mortgage with more dollars that you have in the future simply because of inflation or cost-of-living adjustments. If something is not going up in value by the rate of inflation, if it's staying the same, that means after adjusting for inflation, it's it's going down. It's, It's falling. And that is... Really, this is a combination. This is an asset liability strategy. You have an asset that is increasing by the rate of inflation, and you have funded it with debt that is being reduced on real terms by inflation. I want to give an example of that in terms of real numbers because it's, it's helpful to understand the impact over time. So let's say you found a house cost $250,000 and you have 20% you're going to put down. So you have $50,000 in initial equity that you put down in the form of a down payment. You're going to borrow 80% at $200,000 will be the amount you're going to take out in terms of a mortgage. And let's assume an interest rate of 3.5%, which is about what 15-year fixed rate mortgages are in the United States currently. And inflation in the U.S. is running about 2%. But let's assume you borrow that 3.5% at a 3.5% rate. So your monthly payment's $1,430. And that includes both principal and interest. Again, that payment stays the same even though your salary is going up in the future. And you hold it for 15 years and you pay off the mortgage. But what if the house itself, the home appreciated at 3.5% because inflation came in not at 2%, but over the 15-year life of your loan, it came in at 3.5%. The house would have appreciated to $422,291. So that's in nominal terms, simply rising by the rate of inflation. Now, your total payments for your loan, including both principal in interest was $257,000. So you paid $200,000, the principal back, plus you paid an additional $57,000 in interest. 
and you put $50,000 down. So the total principal interest and down payment was $307,000. But the home is worth $422,000. So you've made roughly $115,000. That's how much equity you have at the end of 15 years. And you only put $50,000 down. And so you've essentially doubled your money in 15 years. Now, if we want to figure out, all right, grow $50,000 to $115,000 over 15 years, that equates to an annualized return of about 5.7%. Inflation was 3.5%. So you've actually outperformed inflation by 2.2%. So because you earn more than the rate of inflation, you created real wealth simply through the power uh, of leverage, of using a mortgage to offset the asset to create real wealth. Now, let's go back to this idea of an inflation hedge. Remember, the amount of your monthly payment is not increasing. It's staying the same, $1,430 a month. So the debt, the mortgage balance... Yes, you're making payments or paying down principal, but on a real basis, the mortgage balance is also shrinking because of inflation. And one way we can look at that is to say, all right, well, what is the value in today's dollars, the day we bought the house, of all those future mortgage payments and the cumulative value over the 15-year life of the loan, the 180 monthly payments? If we put it in terms of today's the value of all those payments, assuming a 3.5% interest rate, is $200,000 plus your $50,000 down payment. So the present value of all those future payments is the same as the price of the house. And that's simply because the rate of inflation ended up equaling the mortgage interest rate. Now, here is where having a mortgage can be a powerful inflation hedge. If inflation actually came in at 4.5%, the present value or the value in today's dollars of all your principal and interest payments is $187,000. And then you add your $50,000 down payment, that means you've paid $237,000 in today's dollars for a house that costs $250,000. So you paid less than the house actually cost Because you're paying, making mortgage payments in future dollars and inflation came in higher than the interest cost on the debt. And we go back to this example of Steve and his mom and how their house paid $47,000 for the house. It grew to $2 million over a, I guess from 1967 through, let's say, 2014. So about 40 eight years. Her equity appreciated. So let's say she put 20% down. That's an 11.8% annualized return on her equity, well above inflation. Now, the house itself appreciated at 8.1%. Now, how much of that appreciation was due to inflation and how much was due to a real increase in the house? Well, one way we can do look at that is we can say, all right, what was the historical rate of inflation from 1967 and cost adjust that $2 million house and put it in 1967 dollars terms? The house, a $2 million house today in 1967 
would be worth $282,000. And so she paid $47,000 for the house. So they've actually had the house keep pace with inflation, plus show some real growth, which is why her return, or Steve's parents' return, was closer to 12% annualized. So those are a lot of numbers to throw at you, and nominal returns, real returns, it can get really complicated. And I still haven't answered the question, should you pay off your mortgage? We paid off our mortgage, as I mentioned, and is it something wise for people to do? Well, when it, when it comes down to it, it's weighing the peace of mind of being out of debt, of not having to make that mortgage payment, with some of these financial benefits of having a mortgage. The fact that the baseline assumption is houses will appreciate only at the rate of inflation. And by having a mortgage, you can actually use leverage to increase the rate of return on your equity of your down payment more than the rate of inflation to create real wealth. And by having a low fixed rate mortgage, you can also have it act as a powerful inflation hedge because the value, the amount that you're paying over time in principal and interest payments is actually shrinking in real terms. And so you, if inflation is high enough, you actually pay more or pay less than the cost of the house on a real basis, as I gave in that somewhat complicated numerical example. But those are the kind of the two things you have to weigh. Houses can allow you to have grow real wealth, but there's risk. It's just like when we bought back our company. It's a highly leveraged transaction, and so you have to purchase at the right price. You don't want to be buying houses when they are overvalued. That's why so many homeowners were underwater in the United States, and many perhaps still are because they bought when prices were above trend, they used a leverage transaction, and they, they're underwater, and they lost all or much of their equity. So that is episode 44, somewhat of a complicated topic, I admit, but it's important to understand because houses can be such an important part of our, of our net worth. I know I'm certainly rethinking using debt because we, I didn't even address the fact that if somebody has cash, they have a choice. They could pay cash for a house, earn the rate of inflation, or they could use a mortgage, earn more on their equity than the rate of inflation, and invest what they didn't use to buy the house separately, either at the rate of inflation or even greater, and magnify the returns even more. And so these are some of the, the calculations you have to do when you're in a situation where you can either take out a mortgage or pay cash. And it's something that I'm looking at close, particularly for some of our rental properties, is a way to, to magnify the return and create a more powerful inflation hedge by taking out some debt against that income stream, the rental, rental income stream. Now, these are, this is not rocket science by any means. And, and those that are heavily involved in real estate investing already know this. Real estate investing has not been necessarily 
my my experience. I've invested through institutional real estate funds. I understand how they work. But sometimes when you when you make it personal and you, you look at your own mortgage, your own house, your own rental real estate, it takes some time for these for these lessons to sink in. And again, way against the idea, I like not having any debt. And are these numbers compelling enough, powerful enough to actually go out and lose and give up some of that peace of mind of having no debt? So that's episode 44. You can get show notes for this episode at moneyfortherestofus.net. That's also where I would encourage you and invite you to sign up for my insider's guide, and I'll just email those show notes to you on a weekly basis. That's where I'm also answering listeners' questions and providing other valuable content. If you would like to explore some of the concepts in topics that I've covered on this show in earlier episodes of Money for the Rest of Us, but in a more comprehensive, detailed manner, perhaps take watch some video courses, take some audio lessons, listen to Money for, Re- for the Rest of Us Plus, which is a, a companion episode to this episode done in a more casual setting. If you want greater insight into what I'm doing with my own investment portfolio and get a better sense for what current market conditions are for stocks and for bonds, you can find out more information on that membership site, that monthly subscription at moneyfortherestofushub.com. That's where we have a core group of members that just want to take it beyond a weekly show that would like some investment help that don't need hot stock tips but want a little more help with their portfolio and financial situation. Moneyfortherestofushub.com. Thanks to everyone that has left a review. If you have any comments or questions, please email me, jd at jdavidstein.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode is for general education only. I've not considered your specific risk profile. I've not provided investment advice. I'm simply providing general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.